Hi, I'm Pastor Kirsten Nelson Roenfeld from Bethlehem Lutheran Church in Sturbridge, Massachusetts, and you are listening to the Two Bald Pastors podcast, connecting real faith with real life. They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two Bald Pastors. Welcome to Two Bald Pastors, a podcast about real faith and real life. I'm Jeff Sinibaldo. And I'm Joe McGarry. And we are two follically challenged pastors serving in congregations in the New England Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, or as we like to call it, the ELCA. Today we have with us Jessica McLaird from Fayetteville, Arkansas. Welcome, Jessica. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm really excited to finally talk with you. Yeah, we're excited too. We yeah, uh, welcome. You know, we tried to you know schedule something earlier, but it kind of didn't work out. But it's finally good to get together and mm-hmm. hear a little bit more about some of the exciting things you are doing in Fayetteville. So, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and some of the things that you're up to? So, I'm pretty much an Arkansas native and uh, lived in Fayetteville for quite a while. I'm married and have kids and active at my church, home church, Good Shepherd Lutheran. I'm the church council president there. I don't like to say that I used my, uh, my executive authority to uh, <laughs> uh, go ahead and just implement my uh, idea, but I, I kind of did. And I guess I'm the creator of the Little Free Pantry Project, which has kind of become at this point a global, I, don't, I wouldn't call it a movement, but um, it's really taken off and, and been an exciting thing to be a part of. That's great. I think both Jeff and I saw kind of the things that are happening, especially through your pastor, uh, Clint, who is mm-hmm. uh, a friend of ours and on the podcast earlier uh, this year. But tell us kind of a little bit about the inspiration behind the, the little pantry. So about, about it's actually coming up on uh, closer to two years um, because the pantry has been going for about four months now. There were a lot of little free libraries popping up, like in my immediate neighborhood in Fayetteville. My passion is reading, and I've been running for about 20 years. So on my runs, I would, you know, stop at the one little free pantry. And then a couple weeks later, I was stopping at two, and then three, and then four. And um, so I think on your runs, you have some time to do some processing And I really started to wonder um, what it was about that concept that had made it tip, so to speak. Uh, I think I'd also read Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point around then that time. So there was all this stuff working. I think you can say, I think there are any number of things that you could point to about what it is about the little free library uh, movement that speaks to people. I'll kind of bypass all of that and just say that I decided to see if that same concept could be utilized to address another quality of life issue. And that's how the little free uh, pantry was conceptualized. So what kinds of things do you include in your little free pantry? My site is 100% open source. So that means that I have no control over (laughs) what goes inside it. I have a tendency to regularly stock whatever it is that I'm buying at the grocery store. So, for example, I made red beans and rice. I'll grab another package of rice and and beans and tomatoes and and just stick that inside. Uh, When I'm going to stock it up um, more fully, which I do maybe every couple of weeks, I buy things like canned vegetables and protein, diapers, 
personal care products, toothpaste, yep. toothbrushes, deodorant, paper products, toilet paper um, is uh, it never sticks around very long. Feminine hygiene products, that kind of thing. So. Again, it really just depends on the person who's stocking it. People with babies have a tendency to stock more of the like diapers and wipes and uh, baby food and that kind of thing. Um, generally, diapers, cereal, peanut butter and jelly, those types of things are probably most in, in demand or that's the most need. Those are the most needed things. So you said you started this about four months ago mm -hmm. and was it well-received right away, or did people need some time to warm up to it? What was kind of the feedback that you got once you set it up? We are always looking for the language around this. Not a permission-giving church, but it's kind of like if you have a, a ministry, just go do it. At the church level, everyone was immediately excited about it because it was an example of someone who felt empowered to just go do a ministry and have the ch church be a part of it. Right. So. And of course, some of you know some of the people who are the the earliest to help me support the project were right there at Good Shepherd. There was immediate attention on the the project at the kind of the local media level, and along with that, you know, you're going to hear lots of everybody's got a viewpoint. So there were a lot of people who thought it was just a great idea and super cool, and then people who were more skeptical about it. But there was kind of immediate attention to the project and maybe like within one day even wow, after I posted it on Facebook. I had created the page for the Little Free Pantry almost as soon as I had the idea to do it. So the page had been pretty inactive for about a year. Occasionally, if I came across a new story that seemed like it was relevant to what I was going to do, I would post it on there. I think I've seen um, community fridges in other places. I took a couple of pictures of construction along the way and would post that. And then the day that I took the project live, I invited all of my Facebook friends to just go to my little free pantry page and like it. And it spread from there, I guess, through the seven degrees of separation. And within about 24 hours, maybe 900 people had liked the page wow. and the media was already on it. So I think that, you know, there, there are all kinds of conversation conversations that can happen around this concept. And the proof of that is, is the immediate interest in the project. Yep. How did you decide where to build it? That was one reason why it took me a bit to actually get it going from the time that it was conceptualized. I immediately, and, I, and this is something that I see all the time with people reaching out to me that want to duplicate the project. My mind kind of immediately went to um, the place of like kind of what I perceived to be the most need. I uh, originally approached uh, multifamily housing property development companies because I was thinking that, you know, this would serve more people at a big apartment complex. Yeah. I didn't get anywhere with, with that cohort. I mean, not even, you know, like a response. Yeah. So I'm so glad that that didn't work out because my plan B was way better. Um, and that was to put it at Good Shepherd, which has been really instructive. Northwest Arkansas generally is a place where um, a lot of a lot of people who even live people who live here don't really perceive a lot of need, despite the statistics. And Good Shepherd sits in a really kind of mixed use neighborhood. There's upper middle class housing within walking distance of the mm -hmm. church. 
there's um, low income housing, there's a school, there's, there's some business. So it, what, it's not really the type of place that you would identify as being the place where, you know, there are lots, there are lots of hungry people here, but my site turns over in under 30 minutes. So that tells you something about how much need there is. And I think just logistically, it makes sense to have these be in a place that's convenient for both uh, demand and supply side, Uh, especially if you're going to open source stock. You want to have it be convenient for the people who are going to help you maintain it as well as those who would use it. So I'm I'm so glad that didn't work out, and um, I have so many willing partners at Good Shepherd anyway. It, it was just a, a blessing in disguise. Did you find you had to um, find a cohort of people to help supply things until others started to to do it, or did it, people kind of get the concept right away? They got it right away. Um, we're a community, like I said, that has a lot of little free libraries. So I think in, there were enough people. That were pretty familiar with the way that that all works. So, I mean, it was almost immediate. I originally was more concerned about becoming a collection point because so so much of my friend group uh, reached out to me and expressed interest in helping stock it. And I didn't really know what to do if what is essentially a small box um, on a post became a collection point for donations because I didn't want to create a nuisance at, at Good Shepherd, either for the grounds people or, um, you know, just trying to maintain the, the site. It took about three days for the kind of the demand side traffic to find it. And since that time flow in and out of the box has, has really been seamless. I've, I've not really approached the church in any organized way at all about it. We already have a food ministry that we support, mm-hmm. which is a traditionally um, a more traditional food pantry. Yeah. There's a collection box for that right inside the front door. And I don't want to take away from anyone else's ministry. And I'm like, I'm so thankful that I haven't had to. That's good. What about any kind of issues or problems with the Board of Health or anything like that as far as having food and, and not necessarily selling it or keeping it at a proper temperature level? Or I mean, is there has that been an issue at all or is uh, they don't really kind of look at that sort of thing? So the Bill Emerson Act, it's the, the Good Samaritan Act. I forget the year it was in the 90s whenever this, it was to, uh, the act was written to kind of standardize these kind of guidelines across the board for all the states because before that it was pretty piecemeal. But the language of that act, and I want to make it clear, I'm not an attorney. So I, I, when people ask me these questions, basically what I say is, here's the act you need to do your diligence on your end to make sure that this is something that that you want to be a part of. But the language of that act protects all donors of food to be distributed for free and all nonprofit distributors of such food. Okay. There's never been an an instance of um, a case. There's no case on the books where someone became ill and then sued. Okay. I mean, it's, it just has never happened. I get get those like cons- people raise that concern, 
I've been sitting with this idea for a long time, so I've kind of had a chance to think it through. Yeah. I mean, there are so many opportunities where someone with malicious intent could create a hazard in our food supply. Yeah. When I go into my grocery store, all the produce is just sitting right there. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean restaurants, they're all kind of, um, our food is very um, public just generally. So I don't really know that the pantry is any more open to that kind of thing than anything else would be because it's so anonymous. I, I definitely understand those concerns though. And I think that there's some really good language around the little free library on their website that, you know, you've got to do your diligence and, and this is kind of on you to assume and, and maintain and make sure that you're, um, there's no negligence or something like that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Could you share Could some you of the positive feedback you've gotten from the community about it? Well, for me, the most positive feedback is whenever someone um, takes the idea and duplicates it. Yeah, sure. I mean, like that, that's, and that's been just a wonderful and almost a daily, like it's almost a part of my everyday life now. You know, I get, I just opened an email from someone in Australia who um, set one up next to their little free library, which I think is super cool because I would not have had the idea were it not for the little free library movement. And to see them together for me is just the coolest thing. But that response is my favorite one for sure. And I talk with so many more people than than that, just about how to get it up and going. And I do get feedback from from people who use the pantry too. And that's even that's now that just makes you feel feel really good. I yeah, mean, right. yep. so many of the um, longer responses that I get are actually more detailed, um, where people are sharing a bit about where they are. And I get responses from people who say that they they are a routine supplier of the pantry because they've been there before. Mm. Wow. And they remember what that was like. In fact, uh, my very best friend and I talked about at the project's beginning how uh, – we remembered what it was like to be like in college and poor. I mean, right. living on ramen noodles, that kind right. of thing. We're a college town. So I've kind of maintained all along that this is in, in no way meant to function like a traditional food pantry. This is just something that is in the gap. You know, right. maybe, and for a college student who wouldn't go to a food pantry, but, you know, has run out of toilet paper and has $2, yeah. you know, I mean, I feel like that's how it functions. And then, you know, these traditional service providers, they have to go home, you know, they, at some, at some point they're, they close down for the day and need to go home and be with their families. And it's not meant to replace any other services. And actually the feedback uh, from that community has been overwhelmingly supportive as well. Great. Now, have you received any negative feedback from folks at all about this project? Mainly in comments. Like, I've not had any, like, personal feed, like any one-to-one -one feedback that was negative. I, I will read comments sometimes, and typically the broader the reach of, of the article or whatever um, forum the story is covered in, the more negative um, feedback there will be. Mostly people raise concerns about need, 
uh, and abuse, potential for abuse at the site, um, which I think has to do with, you know, maybe somebody is using it that doesn't, is, is taking that doesn't really need it, or someone is taking everything and there's nothing left for whoever comes next. So I hear that. People feel like this is just going to be a target for vandalism sometimes, too. Um, so I get that from people occasionally. I think that probably could could be true in some places. Again, maybe this is not something that would work everywhere. However, it is something that works here just fine. I'd watched the little free libraries for a long time. Yeah. They were yeah. never they were never vandalized. I mean, and and I think that maybe there are some places where that that does happen, but it just didn't happen here. So my um, site has been perfectly fine. In fact, it's been improved by the community. On Memorial Day, people put flags around it, and I, I came to just kind of check it out. And I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. That's awesome. um, That's fun. Someone at the beginning of the school year or the end of the school year posted a notice about um, where they were going to serve free lunch for kids okay. during the summer. Uh, and I just think that that's the greatest thing. So that's really not been an issue for me at all. So I get that, uh, the vandalism, the potential for abuse, and then some concern about liability. That That's typically whenever someone is uh, is taking the concept to maybe like, uh, like a, a city official mm -hmm. yeah. for like permission. Right. But I get more of that. But... As far as the abuse, I've, I've got a definite opinion on that. And I, to me, I feel like uh, for me, I need this project as much as anyone else. The feedback that I'm getting from people who um, help supply it, I feel like this project is, is as much for that group of people as it is for those who are, you know, food insecure. Uh, and that's been pretty eye-opening for me, this need to serve. And I think that's a profound need for people. In fact, it's kind of a really good gateway to more service. Um, a lot of these pro uh, problems seem huge and people feel like they don't have a lot of time or maybe a lot of resources as far as money to give. But you can pick up a can of something for 47 cents at the grocery store and stick it in the pantry and it's right. super easy and it just um that feeling is it's addictive i mean it's just... the other thing that's really great about it is i mean i know you're coming at this from a faith perspective but, mm -hmm. but even for those who don't have connection to good shepherd or another faith community can yeah. participate and feel like they're doing something positive positive. Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah. that that's also a great opportunity uh, for folks to connect with. You want to share a little bit how your faith does inform uh, this project for you? I think in several ways. I have a really a pretty uh, strong sense of justice. Mm -hmm. I recognize the many opportunities that I've been given um, and, and blessings in my life. It has to do with reciprocity, I guess, and giving back because I have been given. So there's that kind of piece to it. Mm -hmm. Also, the concept of being uh, Christ in the world. Uh, for me, my faith comes most alive whenever I am outside of my church serving others. And I feel like uh, this is kind of our mandate to be uh, Christ in the world and 
not to kind of wall ourselves off, but go out into our communities and, and really engage. And so there are those two things. Um, it's been really, um, wonderful to experience how the faith, how, how the Holy Spirit has kind of moved through this project. I actually got contacted by one of the co-founders of Little Free Libraries, and um, he says that he's increasingly asked to speak on um, how, how, how the Little Free Library has really become like the Little Free uh, structure. He uh, actually talked about, you know, the spirit of the Little Free Library movement, and I'm just me. I'm, you know, not an organization or anything, and I'm pretty you know, decided about the fact that I want this to stay a grassroots movement because I feel like being open-handed with the concept takes it and makes it more adaptable and just improves it. Um, And it really does feel like the spirit at work. Kind of my wildest, when I'm, I'm thinking wildest dreams, as far as this goes, I think that I would love for it to function as a true community chest where it could be something that could be in my neighborhood and yeah, right. um, yeah, that's really meet cool. my neighbor's needs. You know, like if there are kids in the neighborhood, you stock it with things for the kids. And I had kind of made up my mind that that was down the road and it was going to have to be, you know, like this big thing before that would happen. But uh, a group just south of here, about 45 minutes south of here, um, that started a little free pantry on... Uh, I guess it was a Labor Day, they asked for donations to provide a community picnic. And so all of these people came together um, and had a community picnic. So it's happening so much faster than I'd even thought it could. And it, it's not my doing. Right. Uh, I, I, no. That's definitely the work of the Holy Spirit. and Definitely. Just- making something that is, you know, so basic and meets just our human needs and just taking it to the next level in engagement with the community and... And building with, community, too. I just bring building, in, bringing yeah. folks together. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I feel that very strongly. And sometimes I get asked if I've, I feel, um, you know, how it makes me feel, Um to, to have done this, and I recognize how this is going to sound, but I assure you it's very real. I just feel like it was the spirit coming through me. Like, I don't have any sense of, you know, like ownership or anything, and anyone who does this, anyone who reaches out and, and um, says that they, you know, appreciate the fact that um, there are people doing this work. I feel like we're all a part of it. Like, it, it just feels like it's all of ours. And the only way that I can explain that is that it's the spirit. Yep, yep. And I think it's so great that, you know, you took the time to discern what God was calling you to do. Just, you know, being inspired by the little free libraries and not just jumping in and saying, hey, I'm going to do this and it's going to be great, but really taking the time, uh, listening to God's voice inside of you and uh, waiting for the Holy Spirit to move you to do something that really is probably is, is helping probably millions of people around the world uh, with, you know, food security needs and issues that they are having in their life. 
I hope that it becomes that, you know, even if it doesn't, though, I think that at this point I can consider it a, a success because I think a lot of people have coalesced around uh, this concept. And I, and I also think, you know, awareness has, has been raised about this issue. So I think all of that is good stuff. Absolutely. And it's a tremendous blessing to me. How about for those who are doing some of that discernment for themselves? What advice would you give or maybe a few steps mm -hmm. you've taken to help uh, maybe get something like this started in their own community? All communities are going to have different ordinances and be zoned differently. So I can't really give any kind of advice on that. I, that's more information than I can, sure. can keep track sure. of. So you, you just kind of have to do that diligence on your own if that's something that you're concerned about. I looked around my community and saw lots of little free libraries, and I had a willing uh, host site in the church, and so I just went for it. Yep. And I think sometimes it seemed like a low-cost risk, but I think that sometimes you just have to jump in there and do if you come to something like this, like anyone who's duplicating it is going to have so many more of their questions answered than what I had just because of the experience of others that have also done this at this point. But you have to be just kind of accept the fact that you're going to learn as you go. Problem solve as you go. Uh, I'd like to be able to give people guidance on uh, – I get asked things like uh, it, it gets really cold in winter here, what, how will that affect the contents of the pantry? Um, actually, my project hasn't wintered over yet, so I, I can't really speak to that. Yeah, I also know that my turnover is 30 minutes, so I'm not really so concerned about that. But yeah. in a rural community that does this, their experience is going to be completely different. Right. So I think that you just – site selection is really um, key. You need to have um, a willing partner, you know, someone who's going to be excited about doing it and uh, maybe not ask so many of those questions, uh, though I think that those questions are important. But I, I actually get asked about, you know, where do you put these? And I mentioned earlier that I think uh, really examine the impulse to, to place this someplace where uh, there's a, a strong perceived need and just look around you. I think need is everywhere and, and focusing at a hyper local level can work just fine. I, at this point, I've seen uh, pantries go up in neighborhoods. That was not an option for me. And I think that's probably not an option for a lot of people. I didn't want to bring increased traffic to, to my, my street, which is actually a dead end street. And, you know, I respect my neighbor's privacy. So I just, you know, I knew I didn't want to do that. And I think that, you know, seeking out maybe privately owned, but publicly operated, um, entities can help kind of mitigate some of that. Churches I think are great. Yeah. Uh, churches, um, nonprofits, even businesses. So that's some advice about where to focus. And then from there, just be open to the experience and, and, 
learning as you go. What about the actual construction of the Little Free Pantry itself? Did you just take the inspiration from Little Free Libraries, or do you think they need to be designed in a different way than the libraries? Or, and where do you find blueprints if someone wanted to build one? I, it was 100% inspired by the Little Free Libraries. I mean, so many of those even look like kitchen cabinets to me. So I kind of had some specific measurements that I wanted, you know, for my pantry. I'd, the the big boxes of cereal, I'd like, I knew that I would like to have a shelf that was um, mm -hmm. tall enough to accommodate one of those. But aside from that, there are, you know, there aren't really any uh, requirements for what this has to be. I get asked about blueprints all the time or specs and um, I've got somebody that's working on those. I don't have any uh, available right now. Um, my husband and a couple of his buddies built it over a weekend, and it, it really wasn't anything that, you know, again, so much of this is learning as you go. In hindsight, it would have been great to have that. Um, but there are lots of, of little free library plans on the Internet that people can consult. But honestly, my very favorite projects that I've seen are the ones that are recycled. There's a group in Indianapolis that's um, using old newspaper boxes, like oh, the okay. kinds yeah. with, the, um, with the door that drops down. Yep. I, I love that. That's I mean, that's, idea. I've seen yesterday, this is something that I knew would work, but th yesterday was the first that I'd seen anyone do it. Maybe not as aesthetically pleasing as, you know, building a, like a, a prop, you know, a, like a little free library type structure. But the Rubbermaid cabinets with the doors that open oh, yeah. uh, and shelves, someone put one of those out. So there's, I mean, actually there was a congregation, um, I believe in Oklahoma, that they don't have a lot of money to, to build something right now, but they had an old set of file cabinets. And so they just drug those old file cabinets out to their, um, kind of their, the exterior of their church. And that's what they're using. Okay. And I think that that is just so cool. What I say is that people can feel free to enact whatever vision they have for this kind of uh, idea and use it to meet their community need, whatever that need is. And uh, there are so many ways you can do it. There are lots of ways. And I just want to thank you again for, you know, your inspiration and diligence in not only uh, providing this and coming up with the idea, but also uh, promoting it and sharing your story with so many people all over the place, around the world. So yeah. thank you, thank you again for that. And well, when, when Joe Joe told me we you were going to come on and, and talk with us about it, my immediate reaction was, "Oh, we could do that." Yeah, and mm -hmm. uh, that's great. So I, I thank you also for what you're doing and um, for inspiring so many to follow suit and look for those gaps that are out there. There's lots of yeah, them. yeah, there are, and um, just you know we're, we're wrapping up, but in closing, I think that's why people respond to it because. You can do that. Yeah. It, so if someone wanted to contact you or get to know a little bit more mm -hmm. about what you're doing, 
what are some ways that people can do that? So the best way to do that is to go to my webpage, littlefreepantry.org. Uh, there's a contact, contact link uh, that, that you can use to just send me, uh, send, me, send me email directly. That's really the best way. I get contacted a lot by uh, Messenger, and I try to respond to those, and I am really good at responding. It's just hard to keep track of who everyone is, because I don't, you know, most I, I don't know these people, and I don't have a often have a face to put with a name or anything like that. So that gets really confusing for me. Even, it, but certainly fine to reach out that way. Um, but the littlefreepantry.org uh, has a link to my email, which is jessica at littlefreepantry.org, and that's the best way. Well, thank you very much. We, uh, we both really appreciate you taking some time to talk with us today. I really appreciate talking, talking with you. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. You're, our pleasure. Our pleasure, definitely. And for those who are listening, we hope that you have been inspired by Jessica, like Jeff and I have been inspired, and, and maybe even consider putting something like this in your own neighborhood just to provide another opportunity for people to connect with you and, and connect with uh, maybe their faith in some way and just meet some of the basic needs that they have. So join us again next week. Again, this is the Two Bald Pastors. I am Joe McGarry. And I'm Jeff Sinabaldo. Thank you, and have a great day. Be blessed. Bye now. They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two bald pastors. Even if you say, oh, wait, I didn't mean that. I mean this. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. Joe That's can fine. clean that up. He's good at that. So. Thanks, Joe. Thanks. Thanks in advance. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Test, 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 test